Hi everyone, welcome to Make the Shift with the Legal Work. Today, my guest is Rashida Abdullahi. I'm really excited to have Rashida on the show. Rashida is an award-winning lawyer, founder, and CEO of the Africa-focused legal platform, Strand Sahara. Before launching Strand Sahara, she worked for over nine years in London and Dubai at a global law firm, Hogan Lovells, where she represented some of the world's largest corporations in international arbitration disputes. In starting Strand Sahara, Rashida combined her passions for entrepreneurship, African business, and the emerging field of technology with the mission and focus to empower entrepreneurs with the legal and business support they need to grow and attract investment. Rashida, welcome to Make the Shift with the Legal Work. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so Rashida, talk us through what motivated you to make the switch from big law, organ levels after nine years, and then to starting your own successful legal platform. Gosh, well, I can say it wasn't an easy decision. Um, I'm sure you can appreciate that after nine years in one place, you are incredibly comfortable. You know everyone, everyone knows you. Um, your prospects of career progression are typically quite good at that stage as well. Um, but it was also the point when it became apparent that I was at a crossroads. I needed to either really focus on the partnership track and um, that meant really just ramping up my work and making sure that I was doing everything I needed to do to make sure that I would be on the partnership track or you know assessing whether something else might be right for me and I think to be perfectly honest I had been feeling um, the last few years of my time at the firm a growing sense of unease that something just wasn't quite right that I didn't feel that I was in the, the right position anymore that things had shifted um, and for me I decided that rather than just put my head down and you know go down that trodden path of, of becoming a partner I needed to take the time out to really think about what it is I wanted to do with my life and my career, what the next best step for me would be. Um, and it was in that process of reflection and um, I guess re-identifying re what it is that I wanted to do with my life, what my purpose was, that I decided the time had come to, to move, to make a change, um, to leave the corporate world in order to build a business that I felt would utilize all of my skills and expertise in the most impactful way and enable me to build something that I could be, you know, really proud of. Well, that sounds amazing. And I think um, if you just for, uh, for my benefit, you know, moving from, from, from in, in dispute resolution to, you know, offering commercial solutions to small, uh, to small SMEs and that sort of thing. What was that transition like? Because it is sometimes these two worlds are so opposite was how was your transition as you moved from those two different um sort of fields of law you're so right they are different i guess the saving grace for me was that in international arbitration the the commercial work that i did was all contract based so yeah. i was never too removed from you know the drafting and understanding how contracts work how to put them together but i'll Ultimately, when I, when I had made the decision that I wanted to serve um, Africa-focused businesses, it then became really clear to me that in order to do that and to do it in an impactful way, I needed to figure out what their needs were. And so initially, I had hoped that I would be able to offer a dispute resolution service, and I was looking at online dispute resolution in particular. But when I went out and tested that in the market, um, primarily in uh, Nigeria, uh, I found that actually the, the need was more for contracts and basic legal protections that you could put in place um, to protect the business and enable the business to pass the due diligence requirements of funders, uh, lenders, um, angel investors, that sort of thing. And so actually it was with you know, quite a bit of reluctance that I had to um, put my dispute resolution hat down for now mm. um, and recognize that actually the, the, the greatest need was around um, simple um, contracting, um, corporate support and things like IP protection. And so I, I moved into those areas. Mm. And I think my training 
you know, having worked on some of the most complex cases meant that I was easily able to, I guess, apply um, those skills and adapt to the needs of uh, this new market and um, quickly get up to speed with what I needed to do to support them on the corporate and commercial side. So, you know, I'm very grateful that I, I was exposed to such um, high level of work, really complex work, because it makes, you know, moving into other areas much easier and Absolutely. perhaps less daunting. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, based on, on, on the interviews we've already had, a theme, a common theme that's coming through is that uh, when people do start an entrepreneurship journey, um, they, there's this, there's a, you have to remain open because you might start out with having one particular intention, but as you do your litmus test and as you go through the journey, you realize maybe your services are probably better utilized in, in a particular area. And so I applaud you for, for, for being open to the process and being open to what you can learn along the way and and being open to making a transition in your transition and that's a nice segue into my next question which is um can you walk us through uh you, how you were supported through the, your transition through your community through your family through your professional colleagues what support systems did you rely on as you made the move from from working at a big firm to starting your own company that's a big one. Um, I have to say it, it probably, if I'm honest, took um, or occurred over a, a period of about two years or perhaps a year and a half. Um, and it started initially with a period of maternity leave. So I had my first um, son in uh, 2016 and took a year off from work after having him. And actually, I'd initially only planned to take off six months but it was at that six months point that I started to, you know, finally, well, he was finally sleeping a lot better. <laughs> so I had a bit more time and um, was finally able to start thinking about my career and my life and, you know, where I wanted to take it. And I realized that actually to move forward, I first needed to do a lot of inner reflection um, to understand what it was that ultimately I needed to be doing in order to feel fulfilled, you know, to get rid of that sense of unease because it wasn't obvious. You know, I did enjoy my work. I did like a lot of the things that I was doing, especially the travel, um, getting to work with African clients. I loved that. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't deny that there was something that didn't quite sit right. And there were element elements of my work that I didn't enjoy. And so it started off with me um, embarking on this sort of journey of personal um, reflection and development. And um, what I did to help me through that was read a few books, which were all focused on, you know, helping you sort of discover um, and unpack the things that are within you that you, you haven't really explored or that you, you, you need a little bit of help picking out um, and the two books that I think I, I found most helpful were um, Follow Your North Star um, by Martha Beck. And then I also read a book called The Brilliance Quotient um, oh. by Rena Dial. And so these really opened up my eyes to the idea of understanding first who you are, what your values are, um, in order to help you determine what you should, you know, what, what career, what life and what business would be well suited to you. And so once I had done that work, I realized that, you know, I needed to continue down that path. And so when I did go back to work, I did a couple of things. The first was to find a coach. And this was specifically an executive coach who helped people through transitions, because I knew I needed someone that could do that deep work with me. I didn't have you know, a particular problem that I needed them to help me solve. I needed help with figuring out what my next step would be. And that sort of required someone who um, was able to take that more holistic view. I also then um, took, the, took the point that I needed to try as much as possible as speak to, my, to speak to my senior colleagues and my managers about what was happening. Because, you know, I was very aware that it might have been possible for me to stay within the firm if I could adapt to my role in a way that made it um, made it something that I enjoyed more, made it something that 
that felt right, that felt um, like I was doing what I should be doing and having the impact I should be having. So I had those conversations with um, those of my managers and senior colleagues who I had a good relationship with, um, who I'd worked with, you know, throughout the nine years at the firm who knew me well. Um, but it wasn't without trepidation, of course, because as soon as you sort of hint to any of your colleagues that you, you're thinking of leaving, it's, you know, it's, it's a difficult conversation, but I, I knew Why? it was one Where I are you going? <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was so grateful that actually it led to the really sort of honest and open discussions that have actually strengthened our relationship. So even though I'm no longer there, um, I feel that we're on a, a much, um, a much um, better, we have a much better level of understanding of each other and mutual respect, which mm. is wonderful because mm. I never, you know, I certainly wouldn't advise anyone to burn bridges. Um, it's all about sort of bringing these relationships with you. So um, after that, um, those discussions, I think it became clear that whilst they wanted, you know, wanted me to stay and to feel, um, you know, happy and fulfilled in my role, ultimately it was difficult in uh you know in a large law firm with a very hierarchical structure mm -hmm. multiple layers of management and very defined roles it's difficult to try and make um create a new role or make exceptions for individuals and although some some concessions um, were being offered they just didn't feel enough to me um and i think i realized that actually one of the things that really um was triggering this need for me to make a change was this feeling that I was very limited, mm. um, limited in the sense I was in a hierarchical structure with very little flexibility, limited in my time in the sense that, you know, I, I didn't have much choice over what I would do with my time each day over the clients I would be serving over how much time I could spend doing the work I enjoy versus the work I don't enjoy. Um, limited also in, you know, my capacity for creativity. Um, I, over the years, had, you know, developed the ability to do my work very well and quite efficiently. And I was, I guess, getting a little bit um, frustrated with doing the same thing over and over again and wanted to do things a bit more creatively or innovatively and um, found that I was the odd one out in that and that most people just wanted to continue doing things as they had been doing. Um, and so it became a bit of a frustration that I had that limit there as well. Um, and so ultimately I decided that uh, I, I needed to leave that environment in order to build the sort or do the work that I wanted to do and build the sort of business that would allow that kind of flexibility, that kind of, um, you know, working in a more innovative way um, all of those things that really lit me up and got me excited. But before doing that, I knew I needed help. And so I joined a business accelerator. Um, and the program I joined is called the Key Person of Influence. And it's over a 10-month period. So I started it whilst I was still at the firm. Um, but it was a great way of helping me to define my value proposition and understanding how to go to market with a you know, a new offering. It's something I obviously had not done before. Um, and it was something I wanted to make sure I got right. Now, in relation to more personal relationships, I guess it, it was quite challenging, actually, because a lot of my peers um, really didn't understand what I was doing. You know, most of my friends and peers were also in the legal profession. And the thought of stepping out and starting a new business just does not and did not occur or appeal to them whatsoever. So mm. um, I had to look elsewhere for the, you know, the support that I needed to help me with that transition. And that I think came from finding um, a network of entrepreneurs that I could tap into, um, obviously relying on the coach and the business accelerator. And then also I'm so grateful for my family um, because they know me, you know, much better than I know myself in many ways. Mm. And they reminded me of the many entrepreneurial ventures that I had started when I was much younger. And that, you know, they always saw this um, desire to do things differently, to lead, to, um, you know, to, to be willing to step outside of the norm in me. And so just seeing that they had that belief, um, was was wonderful and really helped um you know spur me on when when it got tough
Oh, I love it. I, 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 there's so many things that you touched on that I think are so brilliant. Um, the fact that, you know, uh, this wasn't an overnight thing. You didn't just cut the cord and, you know, start your own business. It was quite a, a long process. There was a lot of introspection and deep work on your part. And then also, um, you know, making sure that by the time you were ready to leave, you left on good terms with your previous firm. You know, as you said, not burning bridges. I think it may, when, you, when you leave on good terms and, you know, you don't leave things unsaid or with tension, it, it just helps to make your own transition into your next move or your next step that much easier and that much more, without this additional burden or baggage that you carry on your shoulders and Same i think thing. um i'm going to also ask you some more questions as we go ahead in the in the interview around uh how coaching played a, a pivotal role but that is definitely a, a common theme that's coming up uh, not just for for legal professionals who go the entrepreneurship route but just in general i think we we don't hear enough um, in our mainstream jobs about the merits or the benefits of having additional support uh, or additional professional support as you navigate um, your way through your career. And so this leads me on to my next question. So now that you're in the entrepreneurship space and you've had this amazing foundation in, in, in starting it, what is the one thing you wish you knew going in? Ah, such a good question. I think it would have to be um, it would have to be that um, starting a business um, or any new venture is challenging. I think we all know that, but what I didn't appreciate was that you know I thought that I could de-risk that um, de-risk starting a business by doing as much planning and forethought and research um, as possible and so I think I spent a lot of time on that um, when actually uh, what I have now learned is that the only test that matters is the market and so actually the quicker you put something out there um, the easier and quicker it will be for you to improve it over time and reach the level of success that you crave so you know, the longer you spend planning and researching, you're actually holding yourself back from um, that point at which, you know, you've hit the pinnacle of success. And so mm -hmm. I wish that rather than spending so much time, in my case, I think it was, it was over a year essentially of planning and researching and surveying that I had just jumped in because frankly, um, even after all of that planning and research and survey and forethought, the product still was not perfect and it mm. still needed to change. And I didn't know that. And I couldn't know that until it was in the market. Absolutely. So I wish I knew, and, and I've heard this phrase now quite a few times and I really think it's great. Start now where you are and with what you have. And that's my mantra. Now it's whenever I have a new idea for a new marketing scheme or a new product or a new service, um, just get it out there as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. The resources you have now, don't wait for funding or wait for, you know, uh, when you've got a new team member to, to dedicate the time to this, just start it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I know this might be controversial for some people, but uh, it always, um, it always reminds me of Sheryl Sandberg's uh, book, Lean In, where she says, uh, done is better than perfect. Uh, for, that has been my approach for a couple of years now to rather get something out and know that I have the room and the space to tweak it, to develop it, to change it, you know, to make it work in the long term, but at least absolutely. it's out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, actually, I think to be fair to us, <laughs> the legal profession teaches us, you know, an aversion to putting things out there that aren't perfect. You Absolutely. Know, it's, every it's, T it's, must be crossed. Every I must be exactly. crossed. You must triple check, have a third pair of eyes, look at, at this one email <laughs> right? before you send it out to client. And it's, 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 it's look, I mean, I, I think there are some merits in, in that style of, of training because it teaches you to pay attention to detail. But I mm. think um, it also can be crippling at the same time. 
especially in business yeah. it's just a completely different sport and yeah. you know um if we if we are to succeed then i've certainly learned that there are lots of things um that i've had to unlearn um or at least soften um moving from the big law world um to the business world mm, absolutely and so um now that knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to someone who's considering making a similar transition as you? I think definitely the call for, for, for streamlining processes, for leveraging of technology is definitely um, a, something we're going to see more and more and more in terms of legal practice. So if there's someone out there who has an idea around how to improve on processes or improve on systems, what advice would you have for that person in making a similar transition as you did? Well, I would say that um, the number one thing is first to, to really understand yourself and take the time um, and, you, you know, the, whatever resources you need, whether it's a book, whether it's a coach, um, whether it's a course, uh, to help you really understand what your values are, um, what your strengths are as an individual, because I think that has always got to be your starting point. That will help you not only make decisions about your career, but frankly about the rest of your life. It's almost like um, your, your, the parameters by which you, you make any important decisions and how you'll be able to know whether or not something is right for you. So I would always start there, start with knowing who you are and what you want and mm. what your life needs to look like for you to be, you know, feel fulfilled. Then, um, once you're clear on that, that will really help you to identify the best way forward. Um, I think if you are already in an organization, then definitely explore the possibilities of doing um, what you want to do um, using the ideas that you have within the organization. You might find that actually um, they've been waiting for someone like you to, to speak up with that idea and they're quite willing to give you the remit, the resources. Um, um, to go ahead and do that. And that's obviously a great position to be in. Um, but if that's not possible, or if, um, you know, you really do believe that you want to actually leave and start your own venture, um, then I think it's worth understanding what that life looks like and what, what it is going to require of you. And so that's where I think getting some business training and good quality at that, whether it's an um, accelerator that from, um, um, a business training program that has you know great reviews that's got testimonials from people who've done a similar thing to what you want to do so that you know it's going to be the right thing for you um, and then really leaning into a program like that to help you make sure that when you do make that move you know exactly what you're doing because mm. it's a difficult period you know um, I definitely, I call it my period of hibernation. So I did go through a time where I just, I couldn't do anything. It was just such a shock to the system to have left, you know, what had become home, what had become my every day. And to now be in this field of, of complete unknowns, you know, there's no rule book. There's no, um, there's no path to follow. It's not a case of, you know, climbing your way up a ladder. There's no ladder. And so actually it can be quite, um, you know, disorienting and, um, yeah. And so you need to take, you need support. And I think the other thing I would add to that is this work around transition and career, it takes up a lot of focus and energy. And so it's important to remember that, you know, you need to keep your life in balance. And so, um, you might need to indulge in a bit more self-care you might need to think more about your health and make sure that, you know, you are sleeping and that you are getting the exercise you need um, just to make sure that, that you're not, um, you know, you're not um, focusing so much on this, that you're, you're letting the rest of your life go down the pan, which um, I think is a risk because it does require so much energy and time and thought. So taking your time with it and not thinking that it has to be something that, you know, you decide and then do overnight and being kind to yourself. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you touched on so many important things. And, you know, it's, 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 it's exactly to the point where, you know, oftentimes someone will look at you and they'll see Rashida and she started this amazing company and she's winning awards, but they have no 
clue of all of the work that it's taken to get to that point and the fact that you know there were so many moments where you were like oh my god I'm hibernating I don't know how to proceed uh this is uncharted territory you know Mm -hmm. all of those things and so I think kudos to you for 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 sharing that with us and um of course getting through those seasons so that you can be at the place that you are in now and so I wanted to ask you um given we've touched on the fact that you you've gone through um coaching and you know the incubator program um how has that have you had a mentorship sort of relationship as you made this transition and how has that complemented um you know the work that you did with your coach and in the incubator as well Mm. i have actually um but to share actually i think um something that might resonate with um your listeners here in the uk um or indeed elsewhere um, from a similar background to mine in which you are a minority in the firm so as a black woman i was um the only black person in my department but more than that actually in my the entire region um and, and this became apparent when I, I think I attended a, a conference, which was for everyone in my practice area, which was um, litigation and dispute resolution across the whole continent. So um, the UK plus the rest of Europe. And, you know, it was a room of hundreds of us, a lot of people. And I was the only black face there. Oh and um, but that is something that you're quite accustomed to. It didn't shock me, but it, it, it makes you realize that something is really wrong here. Mm. Um, but I mention that because I think that that experience of always feeling other and always feeling slightly different um, meant that I didn't actually jump into the whole idea of mentorship because I, I knew that for me to have a really... Um, uh, good relationship with my mentor it needed to be one of um, um, a level of understanding and mutual uh, mutual understanding and respect that I struggled I think um, to imagine I could have because I knew that when I was in this space I needed to to adapt to myself I needed to be slightly different I needed to um, to operate in a way that would mean that I could fit in and that mm. wasn't my authentic self all of the time. And mm. so I, I just felt, well, I, you know, I'm not going to have that kind of open relationship with someone here. I need to look for it elsewhere. Um, and I think there's a learn, you know, there's learning that I've developed over the years in that, in, in that actually you can bring your more of your authentic self to work. Um, I know that it's more difficult in some spaces than others. Um, but it was only when I started to do that, that I started to be really successful actually in what, in my, in my role, because when you hold yourself back, when you do place filters over yourself, you are not able to be, you know, the best lawyer or the best person, the best colleague, the best manager that you can be. Um, and so actually letting go of that and, um, sort of embracing the fact that, yeah, okay, I'm different, but this is me. Um, mm-hmm. It is wonderful. And so um, I, I just wanted to share that. And then obviously the, the second bit of learning I got after that realization was that, um, you know, a mentorship relationship um, can be whatever you make of it. And there's always something you can learn. So I was more open to the idea after that. I still struggled, if I'm honest, to find a mentorship relationship that I felt um, you know, was, was a truly safe space for me to be completely myself. Mm. But what I did do was instead, um, create a network of peers. And so I would have, um, regular dinners with, um, other women like me who were, um, females, um, black or, um, another ethnic minority in the city. Um, and we just would get together and, you know, share our experiences, uh, motivate and support each other. And that was great. And I feel that that was a sense, you know, that was a kind of mentorship. Um, since starting out in business, I definitely needed as much help as I could get. And so I was really grateful, um, to, um, be paired up with a mentor who also has a legal tech company. It's a bit further ahead than mine. And so it was great understanding, from someone who's, um, you know, a few steps ahead, how to navigate the issues that I was dealing with. 
Um, so I found that really useful. And it also opened my eyes to so much that I just was not aware of. And when you find the right mentor, someone who's willing to, um, you know, actively share their network, their contacts, um, sometimes their documents, you know, where relevant for you um, is, is amazing. And it really, it really gives you um, a step up. So I would encourage people to reach out, you know, you might not be successful on the first or two tries, but keep going because there are great people out there who want to share um, their expertise and their insights and they want you to succeed. So uh, mentorship definitely, I think is important. Oh, so good. Um, there's so many things that, you know, that you've said that resonate with me and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure are going to resonate uh, with our audience. I think the thing that stood out to me is the, the power in community, um, especially where you are in spaces where you are another, you know. Um, mm. And so I, I think there's so much power in community and, and also leaning on each other as we, we, we go through these seasons of discomfort, because, you know, in as much as, as, as there are changes that are, that are you know, sort of really been put on a platform or in the spotlight currently under current circumstances, we know certain industries are still very slow to change. Uh, there's still resistance. And so, you know, to being proactive about it in your own personal space and finding ways to, 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 you know, be around you know, people who look like you, people who are going through the same things as you, is so important. And I, and I applaud you for taking, you know, that control back into your hands and, and really seeking peer-to-peer -peer mentorship. I think we also don't um, give enough emphasis and credit to how powerful that can actually be. So I think that's so amazing. And um, I applaud you for taking that step. And so um, I wanted to circle back to uh, the technology piece. And I wanted to ask you, obviously outside of your, your um, <laughs> intellectual property and your know-how, can you share with us um, how you're leveraging off technology to make your work and lifestyle easier as you navigate being the founder of your own company? Sure. So I, I um, created the business with um, scalability, and efficiency in mind and the only way to achieve that really was through technology and I wasn't really set in what type of technology I would use to achieve that and even to this day I'm very much always evolving my thinking and looking at new solutions um, but it's about making sure that I'm able to scale my services my products um, so that they're able to reach thousands hundreds of thousands of people um, and serve them in the most efficient way so as to um, reduce the time and cost involved in serving each one of those customers. And so um, I have used technology to, to, to enable those things really in the business. Um, at the moment, that looks like having an online platform through which um, clients engage with us as a business, um, both on the communication side, but also in requesting products and services, in providing information that we request, um, in receiving their work product. Um, it means um, also using um, sort of a lot of existing third party applications and software where possible in order to test what works before we actually spend the big money in building our own. Mm. And that's actually been a learning point because, you know, I started off with all of my research coming to the conclusion that, right, this is the software application we need to build. These are the people who are going to build it. This is how much it's going to cost. Let's get going. And then I think it was, it was about halfway into the build that I realized that, oh, actually the market's telling me something different. And um, I'm not sure that this is the right approach. And actually I want to change that. And so, you know, you can waste a lot of time and a lot of money building things up when actually I found the most efficient way of, of proceeding and the quickest way, frankly, as well as being a lot cheaper, is to find existing third-party um, products and services, software applications that deliver what you need and then use those, you know, patch them together to see if that proposition um, is something that the market 
loves it's something that they jump on it's something that they that, that really works resonates with them works for you before then going and building your own bespoke um, um, software uh, so at this point in time the online platform and um, automation document creation automation tools is what we, we use more than anything else um, but we're looking at as we build up more and more um, data of our own on our clients and what they use and the sorts of contact contracts and documents and support that they need um, we'll be looking at how we can adopt technology in other ways to further streamline and further make more efficient what we do um, and I'm always just just you know dumbfounded but in the most wonderful way at what is happening at how different technologies are converging and leading to new you know new ways of doing business that we just hadn't even previously thought were possible um, one of the areas that we're looking to to move into is around contract management um, and this was in recognition that a lot of our clients have um, complex supply chains and when there's disruption in that supply chain you know it has a huge knock-on effect so for example if they are um, selling a product in Nigeria but it depends on a supply chain which goes all the way through Cameroon down to Gabon um, knowing that something has happened in Cameroon that's going to mean that your supply is not coming on time or knowing that the truck is broken down um, on the expressway on its way to Lagos um, are really key bits of information and so we're looking at how technology can be utilized to provide a more sort of real-time alert system in relation to supply chains that's a little far down the road and with COVID-19 it's gone even further mm. <laughs> but it's one of the things that we're really excited about you know thinking about how technology will enable us to, to provide these sorts of new service offerings and then the thing that I'm, I'm perhaps most excited about is bringing dispute resolution back um, <laughs> into my life. And so um, being in a position to provide a dispute resolution um, service or product um, that uh, people actually find useful and that they're willing to engage with um, and finding a way to use you know, technology to make that work. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, and all these ideas sound so practical and so exciting. And of course, we at the Legal Work wish you all the best in getting it off the ground. And we're going to be keeping up to date with everything that's going on and obviously sharing this um, with our audience so they can see, you know, how you actually build this all up. So it just sounds so amazing. And it's a great segue into to my next question. So at the Legal Work, we, we encourage... Um, vulnerability this is a safe space we share um you know some tough moments with our audience and so i wanted to ask you along this journey has there ever been a moment where you doubted yourself or you failed at something and you 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 questioned you know your decision around doing this and what did you do to sort of overcome um that season of 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 of, of doubt uh, as you went along Oh goodness, it happens all the time, all the time. Goodness, I um, I wish it was something I could overcome and it never happened again. Um, but there are so many new, so many new things that you do in running a business. And I think anytime you do something new, you hit some of these blocks. And it's usually rather than a block in the business, it's a block in you somewhere, something that you need to work through. Some unhelpful belief about yourself or limiting belief that you need to work through so for me i think there are there are so many <laughs> some of the biggest ones i would say when i was deciding to leave even though i knew it was the right thing for me it was not just the right thing for me but the right thing frankly for the world as far as i was concerned because i believe that all of us you know we're we are capable and uniquely capable of doing something that only we can do and if you're not doing that work not doing that thing whatever it is um then it's a disservice to not you just yourself but the world mm. and um and more than that it's only when you step into these things as difficult as they might be that we give others permission to do the same so that was very clear in my mind and i knew that was important but at the same time, I was thinking, my goodness, but, you know, I have managed to make it into this profession. I've done well. 
I have my managers telling me they support me and they, you know, they want me to be a partner in the firm. They want me to help make the place more diverse. And I have so many people, um, you know, law students and more junior lawyers looking up to me and saying, oh, we, you know, we're so grateful that you're here because you make us feel that this is possible for us. Mm -hmm. And I was leaving that behind, you know, and what message was that sending? And that was a really, that was a really tough point because I, um, I was torn at that point. I really wanted to, to, to be that role model and to show what was possible, but at the same time felt that that wasn't quite the right role for me. Um, and so it was hard. I remember, you know, in particular, the other, the other complexion that I'll add to this is that um, at the time I was handing in my resignation, I also found out I was pregnant. And so there was this added um, voice in my head saying, gosh, okay, you're pregnant for the second time. Can you really start a business right now? Shouldn't you calm down? Just, you know, think about the maternity leave, Rashida. Um, so, you know, it was almost as though there were lots of reasons why I shouldn't do this. Even though I had decided it was the right thing, all of a sudden I was being confronted with these very real, um, um, you know, issues that, uh, really did, really did confuse me at the time and really did make me question whether I was making the right decision. But ultimately it came back to just having that self-belief and really trusting um trusting that i i knew what was right for me and that yes there will be doubts there'll always be doubts but if you stay focused on your vision and your values um and use that to guide you and help make the decisions then you'll be you know you'll always you'll know where you're going because you know what you stand for and you know what's important to you um so that's what's helped me navigate things but you know since then I think one of the most difficult decisions actually was simply getting out of that planning phase and going to market making my first sale mm. my goodness I did not realize you know how much that petrified me until it came to the point that I actually had to do it and you know it was just um I guess being in the corporate world, you're used to having a big brand name behind you. You know, you don't even have to open your mouth as soon as people see where you're from. Mm. They already give you a level of respect and, you know, um, there's a level of recognition that comes. Um, so true. That. Yeah. And so without, without that big brand and without the team of marketing and business development professionals behind me, I was on my own. And that did terrify me because, you know, I had built up a reputation. I had um, in my own mind felt that, okay, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. What if I put something out there and it's not great? People don't like it. What are they going to think? What does that mean for my reputation? Um, but yes, ultimately recognizing that these were, um, you know, these are unfounded fears that stop us from doing things that we should do. And, and just working through them and realizing that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've been working towards this point for a reason mm. and to get to where I want to get to, I need to push through and do this. Well, um, that that's what I had to just focus on, but I'd say that it's a, it's an ongoing process of, um, you know, just reinforcing your, your values and your vision and building up that self-belief and, when these blocks come up, because they, they do all the time, just realizing, recognizing them for what they are, allowing yourself to feel them, you know, go through those emotions, but then move forward. I love it. It, it speaks to that saying, do it afraid, but do it anyway. Mm. <laughs> I love it. So now I'm going to lead us into our rapid fire round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The first one is tough. What is the one thing you wish you could change about the legal industry? <laughs> oh, there's so much. My goodness. The first what response that comes one. to your head. <laughs> first response that comes to your head. Okay. The first one that comes to my head, the business model. I do not like the billing hour business model. I think it leads to inefficiency. I think it holds back certain people who are not able to have... Um, you know, be present in the office or in front of their boss 24 seven. Mm. I think it leads to long hours working culture, mm. um, which is and not good for anyone. And it reduces you to a number every month. Yes. 
yeah exactly it's really like, just it's so unproductive and it you know it's valuing the wrong thing it's not looking at the you know the the success that you bring to the firm the the, the work that you bring in or the clients that you make happy or the value of what you provide for them it's the number of hours mm. <laughs> it's just in correlation I, to your budget <laughs> and i i you know i understand why it's there i just think in today you know with technology that exists now and the the fact that our clients are paying us for solutions they're not happy to just pay for your time anymore mm. uh it needs to change indeed next go to question no next rapid fire round question what is your go-to power outfit so when you show up for these big meetings what is your go-to look to show everybody like, look this is me i'm here i'm in charge tell us oh it's a dress um that comes just below the knee my power dress which is quite structured and in a bright color so at the moment i'm wearing a lot of white dresses because I've now left Big Law where, you know, dark colours were often the norm. Black and feel that, black. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to wear white uh, because I wasn't able to do that in the office. Um, but no, that's my go-to. So whether it's red or white or purple or bright blue, I love my power dresses. Love it. And tell us, what is your biggest email pet peeve? Oh, email pet peeve. Um, I tend not to send thank you emails. And it's, I wouldn't say that it annoys me when people send them. I just think, well, you know, okay. <laughs> Thanks, but you didn't need to do that. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think just the thank you email is um, superfluous and it probably wastes quite a lot of time in our day. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, fill in the blank. I can't stop spending money on. Oh, <laughs> I haven't spent any money recently, but okay. Thinking back to when I spent loads of money. Uh, I can't stop spending money on. Uh, what did I buy? Mm, clothes that make me feel powerful. I think. <laughs> So I probably have way too many of these power dresses. <laughs> but when I see one I like, I find it hard to resist. I love it. And tell us at the top of your playlist, what song would we find? Or what playlist or what which artist? Hmm. So uh this one might not be so apparent to everyone, but I'm actually half Caribbean. My my mum is from Barbados. And I grew up listening to soca music, which is um, the music that is played throughout the Caribbean and especially at carnival time here in the UK. And so I always have my soca playlist on most mornings when I'm in the shower. Um, sometimes if I'm power walking or, you know, even in the commute to work, that's what I like to listen to. I find it really energizing. <laughs> I love the lyrics because the lyrics are always about being free, um, not having anyone tell you what you, you know, what you should do or how you should feel and doing what feels good and just dancing and, you know, in the most crazy way, however you want. I love that stuff. That's so me. And I love it, it just, it, yeah, it just lifts my spirits every time. That's awesome. And then fill in the blank again, living through a pandemic has taught me What's important in life? <laughs> I think um, for a lot of us, it has just shone a light, a shone a, a real light on the things that I think have been so wrong, uh, or that we've we've um, perhaps not given the 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 level of um, respect and consideration and importance that they should have. Whether it's our teachers for our children. Um, the bus drivers, um, the mm. supermarket workers, they have now become vital parts of our life. Mm. And before now, um, you know, have actually not been getting the recognition they deserve. Mm. I think alongside that, we're starting also to see the fact that our environment is so important. You know, everybody is craving outside space right now and mm. they're 
taking the time to reconnect with nature and we're seeing what pollution was doing and how damaging it is and that we really did not need to be driving so much we did not need to be commuting into the office every day because we've been working from home and guess what the world's still turning absolutely and then finally the most important aspect of that you know realization is about the injustices that have been going on for so long and we've seen the you know the whole black lives matter movement after what happened to george floyd um but the fact that it's happened for so long and that nothing has been done i think has really disgusted people and they're waking up to it and i don't think it would have happened but for us all being you know pretty much in lockdown yes so yeah i even though 2020 ruined a lot of my plans <laughs> in, the, in the same, you know, I, I, I would not change it for anything because it has awoken um, humanity in a way that I think we really need it to be. Um, so, yeah, the pandemic. What's important? Rashida, it has been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for sharing all your amazing insight with us. It has been really the pleasure has been all mine and i thank you again for for agreeing to spend some time with us and to share your views and your perspectives with us it's been brilliant thank you so much i've so enjoyed this conversation and um i really look forward to hearing more of these podcasts with uh with women in the law and hearing about the different ways that they have uh, chosen to take their careers amazing Thank you all so much for joining us for this week's episode of Make the Shift with the Legal Work. We look forward to hearing from you and we would absolutely love your feedback on this episode. You can hit us up on email at editor at thelegalwork.com or make sure that you're following us on LinkedIn. Reach out to us there or on our Instagram, all under the legal work. In addition, please make sure that you are subscribed to the blog and make sure that you register to receive the weekly newsletter where we discuss all things that pertain to work, lifestyle, and journey. Make sure that if you enjoy this, you send this to your friends and your colleagues, everyone that you stand around the water cooler with so that you guys can discuss this and send those discussions back to us. Also, if there's anyone that you think would be absolutely incredible or whose work, life and journey you admire in the legal industry, let us know. We would love to know them too. And maybe you might hear them on this podcast. Thank you so much and we wish you an amazing week.